Let the children of God say amen again. Amen. All praises, honor, and glory go to God the Father, to his Son, Jesus the Christ, and lastly, to the Holy Spirit, who continually comforts us all. How thankful we are to the brethren who led us in our devotional service on this morning, especially and particularly grateful to Moses, who can only do Moses as Moses does Moses. Say amen if you can. A.K.A. David Ruffin up in here, <laughs> up in here. But we're thankful for Moses, and we're thankful for his giftedness as it comes in leading us in our song selections. Thankful to Dr. Ron Wright and Brother Ethan Williams for taking care of the pulpit responsibilities on last week while I was away in Atlanta. The National Young Adult Conference there was both enlightening and encouraging. It was truly a success. And we need more conferences that are geared to our young adults. The leading demographic of those leaving the Lord's Church are those between the ages of 18 and 40. If we do not secure the young adults, there will not be another generation of the Lord's people. To further success, one was baptized on last week, and for that we are eternally grateful. Uh, let's be remembering those of us among us who are dealing with the loss of loved ones, uh, specifically Brother Roy Johnson, uh, the Berries, as well as the Thigpens not too long ago. Last Monday, we celebrated a national holiday, one that is truly deserving and that is Veterans Day. And so that we will never forget those among us who serve. This time I'm going to ask all of those of you who have served in the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, and or the Coast Guard, will you please stand at this time? If you serve any military service, will you stand at this time? We thank you as always, and we do this at least twice a year, because we need to understand that freedom is not free. That's from a secular point of view in terms of military, and a spiritual terms of view in terms of Jesus the Christ himself. Somebody had to sacrifice so we could all have freedom. Meet me, if you will, in the gospel according to Mark, chapter number 12. Mark chapter number 12, and we'll begin there at the 41st verse. Mark chapter number 12, beginning there at the 41st verse. When you find yourself there, let us be standing for the reading of God's holy, inerrant, and infallible word. Mark chapter 12, beginning there at verse number 41. And when you find yourself there, Mark records in his tersely written gospel the following words. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched and or observed, depending on your version, the crowd putting in their money into the temple treasury. 
many rich people threw in large amounts. But, notice the transformative conjunction, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything that she had to live on. If you have some time this morning, I want to speak from the thought, please keep the change. Please keep the change. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let us go to God in prayer. Dearly kind and gracious Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you've been and who you are, even right now in our very lives. Father, bless everyone under the sound of my voice. Father, open their minds, their hearts, their spirits, their souls, and yes, even their ears to hear a word coming from you, even through your manservant, to bless us all as your children. Father, this time be with your manservant. Father, help me to stand flat-footed and firm upon your word. Not my own thoughts and feelings and psychology and ideologies, Father, but let you and your word be found to be true, solid, and sure. Father, this time, though I am broken, put me back together again and use me as your instrument. Father, praying that you play me masterfully. Father, this time... I pray that you will use dirt to communicate to dirt in hopes that we will all clean up our dirty ways. Father, thank and bless the word. Father, bless your servant. And, oh, Father, bless us all even now as your children. All these things we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Please. Keep the change. Please keep the change. Before I get started in earnest, I want to first lay the premise of what we're going to be discussing on today. When I say the phraseology, please keep the change, I say that because I'm not trying to bring offense to coins versus dollars in terms of tithes and offerings. But what I'm trying to purport is this. If your heart isn't right, then you're giving in futility. The Lord is not interested in the change that comes from a man, but rather the change that goes into a man. Because once you've been changed, then you will see change as an insult to God. Change represents the afterthought concerning money. When something is important, 
We pay it with dollar-dollar bills, y'all. When something is secondary, we say, I'll give you a little bit of change. When the homeless man questions you on the corner, you say, I'll give you a little change. Because we see change as an afterthought. I'll give it, and I'll never miss it. There's no purposeful thought engaged with giving a little change. But when it comes to God and his offering, the Lord says, please, keep the change. If I'm not going to be the first thing on your mind, then I don't need the change that comes from your hand. I need the change that will occur in your heart. Because once your heart is convinced and convicted, then your hand will follow. When people have a problem giving, it's not a hand problem. I knew it was going to be quiet in here. I might as well help me. I got a little while in here. When people have a problem giving, it's not a hand problem. It's a heart problem. We use change to feed the parking meter not a providing Messiah. Since y'all gonna be quiet on me this morning, as we take a panoramic view of the tersely gospel account of Mark, specifically here in the 12th chapter, here we began with Jesus teaching concerning the parable of the vineyard and how there was a manager who built a vineyard and then leased it out to others with the full expectation of collecting a portion, of collecting a portion, of collecting a portion of its fruit even at the harvest time. Notice the parable. God owned it. God gave it, and God expected a portion of it. This thought pattern even integrates into our ancestral culture, especially as it pertains to the business of sharecropping. Some of us who are old enough remember a time when we leased someone else's land, and it was our job to grow on their land. But sharecropping wasn't free. It was the expectation of the owner to get a portion of what you grow. People would say, well, I did the work. But understand, long before you did the work, with what you can do the work with, you leased it from somebody. I wish I had somebody in here. I would give to God, but I am the one who works at PNG. Honey, child, sister, girl, and brother, man, you may work at PNG, but that intellect that you think you have is leased from God. If you don't believe me, go to sleep tonight, and the Lord can stop the heart from beating for just a little while and see the damage that occurs to your brain when you can't put two cells together and lose your intellect. And when you go to Procter and & Gamble and say, I can't think like I used to, they're going to say, well, we no longer have a use for you. 
people get ignorantly indignant and say, well, it's me who's working and driving the truck. It's me who's working at the construction site. You might be the one working, but that strength you have is on lease. It comes from God himself. After denoting his ownership as it relates to our stewardship and sacrifice, Jesus then goes on in Mark's writing to talk about money, specifically taxes as the Pharisees question him, do we or do we not pay imperial taxes unto Caesar? And the Lord vehemently made the point, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and give unto God what is God's. And this serves as a pivotal and poignant point even in itself because it shows us, contrary to popular belief, that God is interested in more than just money. Because if money was God's total desire, he would have said, I am your king, therefore give me all of your money. But he said, give what is predominantly worldly to the kings of the world. But I want something that though it involves money, it transcends money altogether. I want your heart. I want your mind. I want your spirit. I want your soul. I want you to humanistically sacrifice in semblance of where your true devotion lies. The lesser, the sacrifice, really equivocates to the lesser, the devotion. He says, look, I know that as it pertains to your carnality, that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. I don't want what comes out of the hand as much as I want what controls the hand. I want your mind. What the hand gives, money, man gave that to you. But what controls the hand, the mind, I gave that to you. I really just want back. What's already, I just want back what's already mine. Which points back to the parable in Mark 12 concerning the vineyard. The earth is mine. The fruit is mine. The watchtower is mine. The money is mine. And I just put you here as a tenant and or a steward over this stuff just for a little while. So since it's mine anyway, I'm just allowing you to hold it. And while you hold it, you even get to enjoy it. You get to live in nice houses in subdivisions with waterfalls at the entrance. 
and live on cute streets like Bubblegum Drop Lane and Burning Bush Forest Drive. And I allow you to have fun with it. I allow you to drive nice cars and take fancy vacations to places that you can't even spare. But how dare you have the audacity and the unmitigated goal to get mad, to have an attitude, to be selfish, to be stingy, to get indignant when all I want is a portion of what's not really yours anyway. Oh, it's quiet in here, but it's going to be all right. It might be tight, but it's right. Say amen when you can. I give you $100 and tell you to have fun with it. Then only do I ask you for $10 back at a minimum. And the least you could do is give me 10 for the 90 that I just gave you. And then you have the audacity to get an attitude when in actuality, if I told you to hold a hundred for me, and then I came back and said, Tyrone, give me 99 of that back, you ought to be happy to just get one. Because you're better off with the one than you were before I met you in the first place. Wow, $100 seems like chunk change to some. The veracity of our ungratefulness and our selfishness stays the same when God says, I'll let you hold 40000 a year. Can I just get 4000 back? I'll let you hold $55,000 a year. Can I at least get 5500 back? I'll let you hold 80000 a year. All that overtime I gave you? Can I at least get 8000 back? See, it was cool when I was saying 10. Y'all were all for 10. Y'all ready to close out and sing the invitation song. I give you $10. But when I tell you when you came in here in your luxury car, could you get 5000 Hold on, wait a minute. I don't know about all that. Well, last time I checked the calculator, Everything you have, everything we have in the bank is his anyway. And just because your name is on the check, you might need to be checked and reminded that yes, you may open the account, but it's God who puts money in there. Yes, you may sign the check, but it's God who authorizes the check to be cashed. And as much as some of us dread withdrawing insufficient funds from PNC and Chase Bank, we better be afraid on that final day of depositing insufficient funds to Christ Jesus and his church. I wish he would go and get to his text. I am Mark chapter 12. Verse number 41. Y'all can stop looking at me all strange. Now let me go ahead and get to my text. It's going to be one of them days. 
Don't take it personal. Say amen when you can. Some of you have flashback right there. It's going to be one of them days. Don't take it personal. Mark chapter 12, verse number 41. I'm glad I'm going out of town next week. You're looking at me real strange. Mark chapter 12, verse number 41. There Mark says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. If I had time, I would ask the question, how would you give? if Jesus sat next to you. Jesus sat down. Sat down here comes from the Greek word kathizo. Kathizo means not only to sit down in terms of posture, but it also means to settle down. Jesus here is sitting down, not only in changing his posture, but he's also getting a rest. He's settling down because remember the entire chapter of Mark chapter 12, he spends arguing. He starts arguing with the Pharisees concerning the imperial tax unto Caesar. Then he argues with the Sadducees concerning the resurrection and concerning who's going to be married to who after the resurrection. So this is the point. Here, after temple worship, where Jesus is finally allowed to get some rest. So here we see him sitting down. And he's sitting down opposite the place where folk were putting in their money. He's sitting across from where the offerings are being put. Here's a little scenery for you. In temple worship, what would happen is there was a place that covered about 200 square feet within the temple called the Court of Women. It was in the Court of Women that people gave their money. Even back then, folk gave their money. You could say amen to that. And there in the temple court, there were 13 different trumpet-shaped boxes that ran along the wall. And people would walk by the boxes and give their money. Why are they shaped like trumpets? Because they were narrow at the top and wide at the bottom. Probably keep some of your cusses of putting their hand. I wish I had somebody in there. Make sure y'all were still with me. Some of y'all wonder why we got slits at the top of our offering baskets. Some of y'all cousins, hello somebody. Trumpet shaped boxes, narrow at the top, wide at the bottom. Now, these were affixed to the walls. Historical record says that these boxes, two to four of them, were for the mandatory giving. This was what the worshiper was mandated to give. After the mandated boxes, there were about nine other boxes, and historical record says on each box was inscribed where the offering was going. So you had to give the mandate, and after the mandate, you could give appropriately to the offering of choice. Why is that important? Because remember, we spoke a lot in the beginning of the year about tithe and offerings. Not tithe or offerings, not tithes but offerings, and is a connective conjunction. Meaning what? This and that. Peanut butter and jelly. Y'all know about that? That means you want both ham and cheese. 
health and strength. You don't go to the Lord and say, Lord, I want health or strength today. You want to what? Both. How do you rob, how we rob God? You rob them in tithes and offerings. Now, we look here at Mark's account. Walk alongside, they gave what was mandatory, then they had options versus to give toward other causes. Just in case you think of something else, some of the other boxes were the herd offering and the Nazarite offering and the sin offering, but they all ended in what? Offering. Offering comes after what's mandate. What's the point here? Some of us will leave church and say, I give an offering. But we have not met the mandate. But we say we offered something. You can't offer what you're supposed to do anyway. Y'all don't like that. Okay, let's make it practical. I can't offer to babysit my kids. And you ever want to see a woman getting mad? Let the husband say, I'll babysit. And she's going to say, oh, no, you ain't babysitting. These are your kids. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to keep my kids. Now, if I get CJ, that's in addition to my kids. And if Cedric calls me, I'm keeping JJ and Josh, and I'm babysitting There's something in addition to what you're already responsible for doing anyway. Understand the fact that they're here and they're giving. But not only are they giving, but Jesus is watching. Jesus sat opposite the place where they were giving offerings. And he did what? He watched and or observed. The crowd putting in their money. Observed comes from the Greek word theoreo. Theoreo means more than just seeing from an optical perspective. But it means and it tells us that not only was he watching optically, but he was discerning and surveying what they were giving. Meaning, not only was Jesus watching from his eyes, but just like a survey, he was marking and taking note of what was going on. And one only takes a survey in light of making some decisions. Some of y'all missed at this early in the morning. When you go to the store, like my wife frequently does over there in New York and company. Hello, somebody. And brothers, you know the biggest trap that they get women with is when they get to the register, they say, well, you got all this on sale. You could have another sale if you just get this card. The brothers are too afraid to say amen. amen. Let me go talk to somebody who's not Tyrone. When they get to the register, and they say, well, honey, you got 40% off, but you can upgrade to 60% off if you buy this car. And if your wife is like my wife, she's sitting there rubbing her chin real. 
a whole lot right there. She posted me in the nursery. I see she's in here today. Let me stop talking now. And, and, and after you decline them, Tamika, they say, you know what? I tell you what, you can get this discount if you want. Fill out a survey. Why does the store want you to fill out a survey? Because they are hoping to make future decisions based upon what's going on right now. When your job lies to you, and gives you a survey, like they really gonna make some changes. It's gonna be real anonymous. Every survey is in light of making decisions. So if God is here, Jesus is watching, discerning, meaning what? To wait, and he's surveying what people are putting in. He's taking note for future decisions. Do not think that God does not know what we give. Do not think that God does not care what we give. Because if you think God don't care about sacrifice, go ask Cain and Abel. If you think God don't care about sacrifice, go ask Nadab and Abihu. God cares about sacrifice. So if God knows and God cares, don't think God ain't keeping record. And don't think that Giving will have no bearing in decision-making. Hello, somebody. Let me go back up here. It's looking pretty bad. It's looking pretty bad. He's watching them. He's observing them. And guess what they're doing? They're putting money there into the temple treasury. Now, putting in money. Here comes from the Greek phraseology, palo. Balo basically means this. Balo speaks of the mindset that they had before they gave, and it speaks of the mindset that they had while they were given. See, there's a mindset folk ought to have before they even give. Give as you what? Prosper. That's the mindset you ought to have. Before you get to church, you know what you made. Therefore, you know what you have to give. You know what the mandate is. You know what the offering is. Meaning what? The check should already be written bef before you leave home. If Duke Energy says the bill is due on December 15th, that check is written before. But see, Tyrone, I've been doing this for a little while now. You know what I've seen some people do? They wait till they start singing the song for the offering, and they start rifling through their bag, and they decide what they're going to give this week. And Carl, some of them do it as a gratuity. To how good? Flower show did tear it up today. That's worth $50 right there. I, I don't like that. He's talking about giving today. Who do you think he is? I'm going to do 10 today and we'll see what happens. All right, well, we're time.
told us that we, we, we up on giving this year, so they really don't need my money. Hello? It's quiet in here? Commercial break. Your giving individually has nothing to do with the church's giving institutionally. That is a personal commitment. This is not Fortune 500 where revenues are up so they don't need my money. No, it's not about us needing anything. It's about what God requires. That ought to happen before you get here. The sermon was good, the sermon was bad. Oh, Brother Flowers, he ain't here. Which is why every colored church in America, regardless of its religious beliefs, tends to lose money when the head minister is not there. So before you say that could not be true, it's true in every African-American predominant church. I bet you come back next week about getting no money. It's quiet in here. So it talks about balo, the Greek word, talks about the mentality before you give. Then it talks about the mentality while you give. Balo means to give in a carefree way. To give without concern a final destination. To give without hesitancy or temerity. Meaning what? I give to God. And what happens when it leaves my hand is on some other man's soul. Yes. Yes. Now, before y'all say, does that mean I can do whatever y'all want with the money? No. Because I don't want to be damned. Say amen when you can. So I'll be the first one to say, no, nah, it ain't right. I'm not going to hell over a few dollars. Transparency is a good business model in the Lord's church. But even if there were no transparency, spirituality says, I'm giving to God, and I trust God to do the rest. Yeah, I don't like it. It's okay. All right, now, now, you give involuntarily to the government. And some of us give more to the government. They don't trust you. That's why they take it from you before you get it. God says, I'm going to trust you enough to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. D.C. no better. You give their money involuntarily, and you don't know where it goes. Some don't even care. And you elect people to go and what? Speak on your behalf. Because 300 million people can't go to D.C. and question where every dollar is going. And we blindly trust them, though they are not spiritual. But then we come to church, give $5, and chase that $5 down to the toilet paper that it was used to purchase. And then we wonder why y'all gotta get so much toilet paper. Why I gotta be two ply? Why can't it be one ply? Bro, Flowers, I think y'all wasting money. Um, 
understand. We're, we're, having, we're, having, we're having a mature conversation. Is that all right? I, I know this ain't the type of preaching you want. We'll talk about hope and peace and joy and love. We'll do that when I get back. But, but we're, we're, we're just having a conversation amongst mature Christians. Is that all right? We need people to do better because our giving does not show our relationship to somebody else. It shows our relationship to God. And some of us come up woefully short. And we got 10,000 excuses. And we tend to tip God instead of trust God. Let me get back up here. Let me get back. I was going to say something. I got to say that for later. I can't preach too soon. Now, they gave into the temple treasure. And all things, regardless of who handles the money. Trust me, God counts the money. In instances of money, at, you know what, check this out. In instances of all leadership, including church leadership, including fiscal leadership, everybody should have something to say. But just because you have your say doesn't mean you're going to have your way. Let me go over there and say that. Everybody ought to have their say. But just because you have your say, don't mean you're going to have your way. Hello? Well, y'all not, not hearing me. No, we heard you. I heard, we heard you. You, you ever had your wife say, Cedric, you just ain't hearing me. Cedric's scared now. You said, you said, yeah, I heard you. You had your say. I let you talk as long as you needed to. But look here. This is what we need to do right here. But that ain't what I said. Just because you have your say. We got some scared. Anyway, now. Don't nobody want to hang with me this morning. This, I'm all by myself. You with Dr. Rose, thank you. Somebody with me. Preach flowers and rose. You surely is right. Somebody's with me. Now, but, but it's funny, it's funny. People, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. People come to church and, and Clyde, they want it to be like a social club. They think it's a fraternity. And as soon as they give it, they expect to withdraw it. Well, after all I gave, I don't understand why. I can't have what I want. That's the wrong attitude. That's right. It's the wrong attitude. But the church's money was never meant to be spent 100% inside the church. Food, buses, things to make us comfortable and look good and feel good. But then you go down to the American Red Cross and say, it's a shame that 20% of what you took in goes to you. But then you go to church and 85% of what you take in go to y'all. 
when the money of the Lord should go and bring other people to the Lord. Let, let me move on. The text goes on and says, many rich people threw in what? Large amounts. And it should be large amounts. Because those who make more should have to give more. It's not about me giving more than Joe Blow. It's about me giving proportionate to my earnings. See, unlike American taxes, see, in American taxation, they want those who make more to pay less. And those who make less to pay more. That's my politics lesson for the day. Say amen when you can. But in the law system of giving, you give as you prosper. Those who have more, give more. Because the same percent is the same percent. But I will tell you this. Giving ought to be a sacrifice. Some of us have missed that all together. It ought to be a sacrifice. What does sacrifice mean? It means to bend one's comfort. Meaning what? We won't say that they said back in Braden's day, give till it hurts. We're not saying that. That was the old school way of theology. But giving ought to affect you. And if it doesn't affect you, then that ought to affect you. You ought to feel what you did. It ought to be a sacrifice. But I am convinced that we have some dyslexic Christians when the offering basket is passed. Dyslexia says that sometimes you see things backwards. So I, I, I really do think this. And I, I'm trying to be compassionate upon those who may be dyslexic in terms of their spirituality. When it's time to give to God, they must not see G-O-D. They must see D-O-G. Because they get dyslexic and they think they're giving to a dog instead of giving to God. And since they confuse G-O-D with D-O-G, then they believe it's appropriate to give a D-O-G scraps. When G-O-D requires more than scraps. Dogs are an after thought. You have some ribs, and when you get done, you throw the bones in the backyard. But then there's some Christians who pay all their bills, get their hair done, nails done, everything did, go to Dolce and Gabbana, go to Dooney and Burke, go take their Lexus and put the premium gas on the inside, put their kids in volleyball, football, soccer, badminton, backgammon. <laughs> they go and pay their dues to the Deltas and the Kappas and the AKA and whatever else you want to do. They go pay their alumni dues. They go out to eat every other week or every other day or every other meal. They, they're out there at Kentwood Mall. 
They had Maggiano's and everywhere else. And after all that, it's time for offering already? Oh, man, I thought, man, I hadn't thought about this. Man, you know flowers ain't here. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. I wish Brother Flowers would just be done already. I'm almost done. Understand the fact that when something's important, money's not an object. When you want to go on your anniversary night, money's not an object. You want to go on a once in a lifetime vacation, money's not an object. You want to go to the college of your choice, money's not an object. When there's something important, money doesn't matter. But then we come here and we become mathematicians. All of a sudden, making sure God don't get a penny more than what I got to give him. And we carry over to the one-tenth of the one-tenth of the one-tenth. I'm going to give God $419.36. Let's, let's get to the word, but verse number 42, let's, let's land the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all right, it's all right. But in came a poor widow. Poor here. Understand that the text here is synoptic between Mark 12 and Luke 21. Mark 12, poor, means one who's reduced to beggary. Luke 21 gives us another Greek word. That Greek word is penikros or penikon. Penikros means that poverty by one who works. Meaning, in Luke, penikros means the poor are those who have to work for a living. And to that, all the great road ought to say amen. I don't think nobody here got a silver spoon in their mouth. None of us are living off old money. So if you go to work every day, you poor too. Let the poor folks say amen. From the standpoint of working every day, we're all poor. We can relate because it's difficult for folk who work for a living, and some of us being the working poor, some of us being underemployed. So everybody who's employed ain't making a whole lot of money. There is the underemployed, trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. Underemployed. But we all must remember to take care of God first, regardless of our income and our economic status. Because even if we're underpaid, we're overprovided for. We chose our salary, and we also chose our expenses. Wealth is an option. For every man. What do you mean, man? I make $9 an hour. I can't be wealthy. Wealth is an option for every man. I 
I work at Burger King, what? wealth is an option for every man. Wealth simply means what's left over after expenses are accounted for. We all could be wealthy if some of us, Jeremy Flowers included, just control our expenses. Well, I, I, I would give, but you know I don't make a lot of money. But you got DVR. You got Netflix. You got two car notes. You live on Bubblegum Drop Lane. You got leather furniture in all your rooms. And for some reason, you still paying on that couch from five years ago. Because somebody told you 60 months, 0% financing. Now the couch all tore up. Preach flowers, I think I will. Now you don't want the couch no more, but you're still paying on it. Now, it, it's not God's fault that we have all these expenses. When God ought to come fast. We should all be striving to make our biggest check that we write the Lord and his church. Why, I gotta, why should that be my biggest check? You know why? Because it's your biggest debt. It's sad when your biggest debt becomes your smallest check. I'll do the rest tonight. I ain't finished, but I'm through for right now. But I got to talk to some people because I know some of y'all ain't coming back tonight. The snow don't start till 9 o'clock. Say amen when you can. Some of your, some of your cohorts thought it was 9 a.m. and not 9 p.m., but that's a whole nother story for a whole nother time. So 6 o'clock won't be no snow. Hello. So come make it the rest of this later. But, but what I like to tell you right now is very important. Your biggest debt shouldn't be your smallest check. Now, now I, I know everybody's at the point where they can rearrange everything that's going on in their lives. But where is the sacrifice? Now, there are those who want to give and cannot. Praise God for them. They ought to be in church. The Lord loves and cares for And he even told us the poor will always be with us. I'll talk about that tonight. But for the vast majority of folk in here, that's not applicable. Most of y'all drove here today. Most of you had a job to go to tomorrow. But the question is, where's the sacrifice? You, you don't feel it because if we gave it, we would feel it. I feel sad when Jesus sacrificed. And he had to feel everything. Like, pierce him in the side put nails through his hand, nails through his feet. When they twisted a crown of thorn upon his head, when he sacrificed something, he had to feel it. But then we come and say, well, I gave a sacrifice. And we ain't felt nothing. Depending on income, stop calling $20 a sacrifice.
unless you're making $200 a week. You can hardly go to an ATM and get less than $20. And then some of us will get the least denomination the ATM gives us and split it in half and get a rest to the Lord. I gave my $10. You spent 12 at Big Boy before you got here. Well, Jeremy, it's Christmas time. You have to understand. Trust me, I understand. I got two kids, and one of them want everything on TV. Say amen, you can. He want everything on Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtle, everything that come up, I want that. Mama, I want that. Mama, buy that for me. He never says daddy buy anything. Maybe I'm too cheap. Say amen. For some reason, he don't believe in Santa Claus. Hello, somebody. Are they in children's worship? Okay, making sure if I mess up somebody's, somebody's home theology. The only Santa Claus come on Orchard Gate is black. And he don't climb down chimneys. He don't ride sleighs, he drives a tundra. Say amen when you can. And the same thing in your house. So I know you want to provide for your children. I know you want to provide for your loved ones. But our expenses are choices. The Lord's business doesn't change. And the problem is, God's grace, mercy, love, peace, truth, and provision have been consistent. But some of our giving has been variable. How do you please a consistent with a variable? His love don't ebb and flow. So why does your giving ebb and flow? Well, it's tough right now. I can't do it right. I'll do it later. But then we'll quote at the same mouth, we walk by faith. And not by, I can't see it right now, but we walk by faith. And not by sight. We want faith when we want God to come through for us. Have faith in God. But when God wants something of us, we can't see faith. All we can see is what we see. And don't, see, I gotta, I gotta do it because somebody's gonna leave here. Well, that's just how he faith. He don't understand what I'm going through. Let me tell you something about the flower's house. See, sometimes, Margaret, I, I know you know about this. Sometimes, Margaret, you, you can't half eat what you want to eat because of bills, because of offering. Sometimes, you got to have ground around. Sometimes, you make a big pot of spaghetti. If giving to the Lord means you can't go to Cheesecake Factory three times a week, sometimes you get some chili, some beans, cut up some hot dogs, put all that in there, make it last. Y'all know what pork and beans is. Don't act brand new. I don't want to see nobody get to glory. And the Lord said, you know, you lived a good life, but, but you cheated me. How we cheat you. 
All that food you had to have. Hello. It means you can't get necessarily all that what you want. You might can't get that house. That's five bedrooms and you got two folk living in your house. And you see, some of us are misprioritized by the rose. We get a house and can't afford to furnish it. Now you got a big empty house. Or you get more and then you pray to God, I walk by faith. And I, I can't afford this house right now, but I'm going to go get it. And I, then I'm going to work some overtime. I'm going to pray for some overtime so I can afford what I done got. Because I didn't let what I wanted get ahead of what I got. Get off my street flowers. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Let us be standing and not singing. Let us be standing and not singing. Y'all can stop rolling your eyes at me now. I'm done. I'm going to finish tonight, though. It might be me or Sister Clark here, but I'm going to finish tonight. <laughs> Please, keep the change. This woman gave change. I'll talk about that tonight. She gave change. That's all she had. But those of us who have more ought to give more. Give as you prosper. It's not a competition with somebody else. You know what you have. Therefore, you give from what you have. And if you won't do what you need to do, he can always take what you have. Economists say that responsible people spend only 35% of what they make on their housing, 20% of what they make on utilities, 10% of what they make on entertainment. But I'm here to tell you, and that whole economist equation, nowhere is the Lord's sacrifice. And if you neglect the 10 as a minimum, he can take away the 35, take away the 20, take away the 15. It's time we do better with our dedication to the Lord. That's from the pulpit to the pew. If we're doing what we ought to do, keep on doing what we ought to do. The church is fine. Thank God for that. Thank God for increased giving. Thank God for fiscal stability. But what happens at church does not dictate what happens with us. Our responsibility does not change because of what happens over there. I encourage people to give, not so the church will get money, not so the preacher will get money. I encourage you to give and myself to give so that we can meet the Lord's standard. Because if we haven't met his standard, nothing else matters anyway. So as we soon sing the song, think in your own mind, am I doing what I ought to be doing with what I have from God Almighty? If I don't give back what's least unto me, I can lose it all. If perchance you're not a child of God, come to Jesus even on today. How do I come to him? Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized and live faithful unto death even now. If perchance you are a child of God and you've sinned, you straight away, you've not been what you need to be, not done what you need to do, and not given as you shall have given. Will you come back to Jesus? Regardless of where you stand, he's closer than you think. You are a child of God or men for past wrong. If you're not a child of God, do not leave here and not be saved. God's been providing for you to this point. 
so you can come here, become his child. Because once you become his child, he'll protect you. And if you love God's provision, you're going to love God's protection. Amen. Not a child of God, come. Our child of God, come. Wherever you stand, make your decision as we sing the invitational song. 603, almost persuaded. 